Welcome to AI Marketing, a podcast for sales and marketing professionals that want to increase their sales, leads, and conversions through the use of artificial intelligence solutions. And now, here's your host, Mark Fridelman. If you're a marketer and haven't looked into artificial intelligence, you may be at risk of losing your job in the next few years. In my discussion today with Katie King, we're going to talk about AI for marketers and how they should be looking to incorporate in their marketing plans for the next year and beyond. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you all the way across the pond. It's something that uh, I don't think we've done yet to interview anyone from Europe. So it'd be good to get a European perspective on artificial intelligence and marketing. Katie, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself before we jump in? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. So I am a published author. I've been in marketing and business consulting for about 30 years, 10 years in digital marketing, and I'm, I'm quite old. I'm actually 52. So I, uh, quite old. I'm, <laughs> I've actually used artificial intelligence and marketing to as a USP, really. So I felt as if everybody else had caught up with digital marketing. Um, and it was time for me to really go away and uh, future-proof myself for the next decade. So I got involved about ten year, a uh, couple of years ago in AI, and I've written this book, which was published in February. And as a result of that, I'm involved with the UK government on an all-party parliamentary group looking at the adoption of AI in enterprise. So, yeah, I've got a few different hats. Yeah, do you think uh, AI will replace uh, the parliament uh, anytime soon? No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure quite a few people over on this side of the pond believe that uh, maybe the sooner that happens, the better. I think the sooner the UK, actually. The yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, why don't we just jump right in? Um, I watched a video of you recently, and you claim AI is in the hype and paranoia phase of the Gartner hype cycle. Can you tell us why we, you think we're there? Yeah, definitely. So um, many people will be familiar with the Gartner hype cycle. It really starts with that innovation trigger and AI's moved beyond that. And when we talk about AI, I'm talking about machine learning and the whole family of artificial intelligence that includes the speech recognition and robotic process automation and so on. So, and the evidence from a year of researching my book backs this up as well. Um, you know, companies are not yet at the final phase, which is that plateau of productivity. They haven't even entered that phase of being completely enlightened by what AI can do for their businesses and generating real ROI from it. And in fact, a few have moved into the trough of disillusionment. I've got some banks and others in my um, case studies in my book that prove that. But where we really are at the moment is that you know, the media don't yet have all of the, the case studies of successes. So there's a lot of hype, a lot of paranoia. Um, you know, people really are crying out for more information. And you've got very high profile people, Elon Musk and the late Stephen Hawking, really talking at length regularly about AI and what it can do and we need to go move to another planet and so on. So I think, you know, we're definitely at that period and we've got quite a way, probably two to five years to go till we really are at that kind of kind of plateau of productivity phase. Okay. And, and you actually, you mentioned this earlier, you wrote a book uh, using artificial intelligence and marketing and you presented a framework for marketers to use. My question is if you're advising them directly, what 
and where should, would you have them start? If you're, you're talking to them the first time, maybe they've read the book, maybe they haven't. That's a really good question. The start point has to be really their business case because otherwise what they will do is jump on the bandwagon and do any kind of AI activity, whether that's algorithms for their HR or for their marketing or for their sales, and they'll go about it in a really tactical way. And so therefore they have to start with a business case. They have to start small and they have to have the right data. They have to have their data in order to take advantage of it. So that, that's really how I would start. You have to make sure they have the data in place so they can take that data, feed it into some kind of an AI solution so that the information that's presented back to them is actionable. Is that exactly right? Exactly right. Yeah, that's it. I mean, in, in the book, I have a, a scorecard for success and it covers really 10 major points that start with, and they're not in, you know, any order of priority. They're all really, really important, but, you know, having the right mindset, having the support of the board, doing the experimentation, you know, looking at the talent and the culture of the organization, they're all really important, but the key is the data and what problem is the AI trying to solve? So are you trying to improve the customer experience by no longer having that sort of homogenized market segmentation and being much, much more personalized, you know, or are you looking for some kind of um, back office automation of certain activities that means you get a much better productivity? So it's those kinds of decisions you need to, to you know, decide on. Okay. And and I know you talk about some of these case studies in your book, and, and I'm wondering if you've got something uh, that's even newer, not that you need it here, but when you look at some of the implementations that you've seen of AI and marketing, what are the kind of, one of the best that you've seen and, and what did it do? Okay, great. Yeah. So B2B and B2C examples um, out there on the market at the moment. One of the best I've seen is TGI Fridays in the kind of dining hospitality experience. And I share that simply because they've got really good ROI from it. You know, there aren't that many that are showing that as a result of this more personalized service they can give, they've been able to increase the number of diners, they've been able to get much more profit. So um, Sheriff Mitias from the Chief Experience Office and TGI Fridays um, talks quite openly about how you need that consent. And when you've been given with consent somebody's data, you can no longer say female, 40 to 55 years old. You can actually say, um, you know, Katie, this age, comes into our restaurant on a Thursday evening, likes ordering ribs, she's a vegan, et cetera, et cetera. So with that kind of personalization, they are giving much, much better customer service and improving their marketing and getting fantastic results you know, on the back of that too. So that's a really good one. And there are other less well-known brands in the book that are doing some good work you know, that I can share maybe a bit later in the, in the interview. I just want to dive in a little deeper on the TGI Fridays example. How did they use AI to get people back in the restaurants? Yeah, so what they did was they had they were able to use um, a company called Amperity, and Amperity use AI, and they were able to give them and sort of join up those data sets. So they were able to just do much 
neater targeting of people. So, you know, part of it was in the restaurant, the actual experience of coming in and getting a fantastic experience because the person you would, that they would, you then walk up to them and on their iPad, they'd have this AI embedded tool and they'd be able to know your name and, you know, your preferences and, and so on. They could kind of like prepare for it. But then in the actual marketing to customers, they were able to do that, you know, with much, much more you know, greater personalization. So, you know, it was two ways. It was both in restaurant and through the actual marketing. So they knew who you were when you first entered the restaurant or did they have to, to log in with an app or something? Yeah, they would log in with an app. They didn't have the the kind of facial recognition aspects to it, which I'm sure they could do, you know, further down the line. But yeah, you know, they you you you'd you'd lo- you'd sort of log in, you know, with your iPad or they would log you in or they'd have a booking for you and you'd give your name and sort of like go from there. So yeah, that's how they did it. Okay. Yeah, I mean over here and I, I don't know how this is looked at in the UK, uh, given all the cameras that are just about everywhere in London. But over here, there'd be some major privacy issues, I, I think, from people that don't want to be recognized when they go in those restaurants. But yeah, yeah. using an app you know, that's location aware or a check-in, I, I think is fair game because you've kind of opted into that. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But yeah, most of what we're talking about is is personalization, you know, through marketing preferences and, you know, knowing when you come in and they can greet you and say, you know, hi, Katie, and, you know, we'll have your ribs ready in half an hour. And how's, you know, I understand it's your anniversary last week, that kind of level of, of personalization. Now, that might not be for everybody. You know, yeah. um, in the book, I also feature a fashion brand called Reese. And, you know, they talk about how, you know, you come into a store and what you don't want immediately is that sales assistant on your back, instantly kind of like peering over, you know, hovering. You, you kind of need a bit of distance. You need to know somebody's there if you want assistance. And the same online. And they use an AI tool called Increasingly. And it's simple bundling of products that says you bought this pair of trousers. You know, you may be interested in this tie that goes with it, that kind of thing. So, you know, nothing, no sort of rocket science, nothing earth shattering, but personalization, bundling up, and almost like having your own style advisor. And, you know, UK brand M&S, Marks and Spencer are doing something similar in the UK and they're trialing it on a Tuesday and it's their kind of try Tuesday. Yeah. And they're using AI, again, to give people that feeling online as if they have a personal stylist with them. So it's those kinds of things. But, you know, banks are using it too. So banks and, um, you know, utilities are using AI for both back office, for predictive analytics, where a telecoms company can know that weather patterns say that when the, um, you know, weather, when the weather is really extreme, the broadband lines go down and therefore we can line up our field service engineers to go out and do the repairs to the broadband lines or the banks that might have, again, much closer personalization you know, because they've been criticized in the past for not knowing their customers. So many, many different examples across all different industry sectors. And you've got a lot of those listed in your book. Um, I have, yeah. So uh, get a copy. The, show, the, the link will be in the show notes if you want to, uh, you know, read about more of these things and, and uh, 
I, I think it's important to kind of highlight the successes like we just did, but also the failures. So I know in your book, you listed a few AI failures. Do you have an example of one that you could share with us and why it failed? Yeah, I do. Most definitely. So a good example, Mark, is um, a bank in, in De- Denmark, actually, a Danish bank called Saxo Bank. And basically, they started with their chatbot assistance um, a bit too early, probably a couple of years ago now. And the, um, you know, the guy I interviewed there, Dr. Patrick Hunger, he talks in the book about how after the initial interaction um, you know, with these bots, Clients actually tried to, it looked human-like. And so they thought, great, we'll have some proper interaction with it. And when it failed to give them, you know, more beyond the obvious things that it had been programmed to do, they felt a bit disappointed and they felt it was a bit gimmicky. So that was one of the key stakeholders in the business that just didn't really get on with it. And the other was staff. And staff felt threatened by it and actually felt like, well, what's the what's in it for me? You know, how do I benefit from this? And there wasn't, that wasn't catered for. So that was a year or so ago. But actually, just tracking what Saxo Bank have been doing really recently with AI, literally in the past month or two, they now actually have successes. So their early failures are turning into successes because what they're now doing is they're using machine learning to reduce their onboarding of, of new customers to so just one hour. So they can basically, um, you know, invest in data science and machine learning and, you know, basically get that much broader access. So they're doing online trading across, I think it's 170 countries, um, you know, which is, and there's a massive um, involvement at the moment with, with financial, you know, fintech. So they're starting to get some really good successes. And that's probably because they learned from their earlier failures. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this, I think, was probably expectation setting with staff and, and with customers, especially, wow, two years ago, they had a chatbot. Was it on Facebook? Do you know where they, they deployed it? Was it on their website? I think um, one of them was actually the main one they used in their reception. So more of an actual, you know, not, not so much a digital assistant or chatbot, but more of a, like a, you know, like a, more of a robot style, humanoid style robot, you know, in, in the sort of reception area and dealing with clients. So, yeah. Um, but you're right. Expectation management, you know, is the key in the way you communicate it and the way that you, you know, you share that with the different stakeholders and letting them know what to experience and what to expect. Yeah, and a lot of this happened with social media. I mean, any new major technology, you, you've got to have the failures to know how to react from them and to change things and to make it better, just like the bank has done over time. And I want to give them credit for stay, staying with it because a lot of times in these bureaucracies, especially in banks where they've got regulators, they, they, you know, they try one thing, it fails, and then people lose their jobs and they never go back to it for 10 years. You're absolutely so right. Yeah, you're right. Good to I, see that they did that. Exactly. And, you know, point three of my scorecard is the business case and point four is the experimentation. But the only thing I would say to that, Mark, is that the laws sort of have to help back that up, don't they? That experimentation, if you think of maybe bankruptcy laws and maybe some of the, the kind of whole um, PR around failure, certainly in Europe, 
it's bad. No one wants to fail. No one wants to be bankrupt. And I'm not suggesting for one minute that, you know, um, you know you've, you've got to change the way you finance companies because of AI, but you've certainly got to allow for more time to learn and experiment and, and grow up that curve because it isn't all going to kick in overnight and, you know, give you instant ROI. Right. And I, I think that's the the main point we should be pushing out to everybody is that a lot of these new technologies don't have instant ROI, but if you stick with it, and you keep iterating, eventually it's going to get there. There's no question uh, that AI is going to be an integral part of our life, whether we know it's there or not. Um, I think a lot of these things will end up, a lot of the AI will be point solution AI solutions, and you won't even know it's being deployed. It's not going to be called AI. It's just going to be part of the programming or part of the software. I completely agree with you. I think we won't be talking about it in a few years and it will get kind of consumed into that overall computing. And then really, if you think about cloud-based solutions and the kind of tools we use, for example, in digital marketing, whether that's Hootsuite or those kinds of tools, you know, AI is the augmented intelligence and is that next layer of, you know, a, you know, basically ch changing different tasks that we do that might be for our banking, might be for our human resources and our hiring, or might be for our content creation. So, you know, it's that next layer and how we do it. At the moment, everyone's fascinated by the how because everyone's talking about it. The money's being pumped into venture capital money. There are lots of AI and machine learning startups. So we're fascinated by the how but in time, we forget about that. So actually, for me, AI is today where maybe web design was 15 years ago. And, and everyone's fascinated and everyone wants a, a piece of the pie. But not everybody is jumping on the bandwagon yet, as you've talked about. There's a lot of hype, but not everybody's jumping on. So, Katie, when marketers push back on deploying AI, how do they object and how do you respond? Great question. And people are pushing back and people pushed back on digital marketing for many years too. I'm saying to people, if you push back, if you resist it for too long, you will get left behind. And that's, you know, as valid if you are, uh, you know, just graduated and, and, and marketed just coming onto the market or if like me, you're well established and the same with a, a company or an agency, whether you're new or whether you've been around 50 years, it really doesn't matter. You know, the world is changing, um, you know, AI, machine learning and other tech tools are transforming all different aspects of, of what we do in our families, in our societies and in our businesses. So we can't resist it for too long. But all I would add to that, again, is a really honest, pragmatic piece of advice because, of course, not everybody wants to be an innovator. Now, you know, depending on where you're at, you might want to lead the pack and innovate, and therefore you might want to be jumping in now with AI and you will derive benefit from it and you'll be one of the, the kind of like ahead of the game. But you can sit back for a bit of time. You know, not everybody is using it and not all the tools are tried and tested and you're not going to be obsolete overnight, you know, over the next six months. But I would say in the next year or two, AI and machine learning are creeping into all different aspects of marketing as they are other business functions across every industry sector and all over the world. So, you know, and I don't think many people just want to be an also ran, you know, we all feel that need to have some kind of USP and AI will give you that. 
And I always look at, okay, when I'm talking to experts like yourself, what is the beachhead? And uh, what I mean by that is, if you're, uh, let's just say the average marketer that's out there, you're working for an organization that sells products, or maybe it's a service, what is the beachhead AI solution that they start with? Is it a chatbot? Is it something else? Is it, you know, what, what is it that you say to most companies, hey, this is how you get started? Well, it comes back to one of the earlier points I made. Where they, how they start depends on what they're trying to achieve. So are they actually doing their marketing and are they in a position to really influence the service or the product that's being offered to the customer? And is the AI about CX? So is the AI important from a customer experience point of view? In which case, look to the examples of people like TGI Fridays and the kind of AI tools they use like Amperity. Or is it more fundamental and are you a marketeer who's got some budget to invest in tools, for example, where AI can help you with your content creation um, and your wider digital marketing. And there's some fantastic tools on the market like Concured um, and Conversica. So actually, it really depends what you're trying to achieve. You could turn to Adobe Sensei and you could look at Einstein and you can look at tools where AI is being used across the CRM piece. So it kind of depends how sophisticated you are, how much your um, marketing is integrated in with your wider sales and your customer service. And if you're marketing, for example, to the internal audience, or you're trying to use your marketing to recruit staff to your organization, then actually using some tools for AI in your human resources practice could be the answer. So there's no one kind of like cookie cutter, go and use this. You know, you've got to go and look. And that is the danger because there are so many tools on the market and there are so many of these new um, AI tech disruptors, many of whom I interviewed for the book, that have a kind of an AI tool for every aspect of marketing you can imagine. Um, and then you have the big vendors, the IBM Watsons, the Amazon Web Services, you know, Adobe Sensei. And if you have your own people, they can go and, you know, code in Python and TensorFlow in open source and actually do that work for you or you'll be, or you'll be outsourcing it to a provider. So it's quite a complex answer to what seemed like quite a simple question. Nah, I know because, <laughs> I mean, part of the problem I get is people are, they don't know what they don't know. So they don't know there's an AI solution to something that they might be facing. They're just, there's not that level of awareness out there yet. I mean, there's yeah. point solutions like chatbots and things that happen with uh, their CRM systems. But in terms of, wow, I got this major problem, uh, marketing challenge or sales challenge, I'd say 90% of them don't know that there's a solution out there for them. And then if there is a solution, you know, they got to take the time to dive in and figure out, well, is there a, an ROI here? Yeah. And then there's, a, I think, a third thing where there's a lot of fear about AI and whether it'll work or piss their customers off or, you know, even worse, take their own job. So this is a, a massive education process, I think, that has to take place. And, and it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast, because not only for my own education, but to educate people that, um, that are out there that have the same curiosities I do. You're absolutely right, Mark. And 
one of my key messages in all my keynote speeches or training or consultancy work is that we are all on a journey of continuous learning. And there's a new paradigm shift now for marketing as a result of these technologies. But there's still some fundamentals of, you know, what's your exit plan? What kind of objective do you have? Know your customer, um, you know, understand what you're trying to achieve and then go and do your due diligence, you know, find out what tools are on the market that can help you with that business case and help you meet that customer's needs. Now, unfortunately, you know, there, there are lots and lots of tools that can do that. There isn't one. There isn't one AI that can do all of that for you. There's narrow AI that can do elements of that. There isn't super artificial intelligence yet where that kind of set of AI can do everything. In time, that might happen, but it's a long way off. And in the meantime, there's bits of AI tools that can do the different elements that we discussed. That's expensive and it's complex. And that's why a lot of people might go to something like IBM Watson's marketing suite, you know, or work with somebody like Adobe who they already know, who have different elements to that, different APIs that might, some might be cloud-based, some might be AI infused, you know, so it, it, unfortunately, there isn't a simple answer to it. Um, but in time, I think there will be. And your point earlier, it will probably get lost in general computing and you'll have the equivalent of Microsoft Office or a Google package or a Facebook or whoever comes along, maybe from China and dominates it and gives us that. That will come. Okay. Well, I, I just want to summarize what you said so far then ask you a final question. Uh, so it, it sounds like you really have to understand what your problems are and then kind of search for a potential solution. Uh, start small, but make sure that you have all the data available that you've already set that up and it's a kind of a continuous flow. And then, you know, you, you, you start slowly and start implementing. And if you want the full list of things to do, then you should buy Katie's book. Again, the link will be in the show notes. My final question for you when I ask everybody this is, what is your favorite chatbot or AI solution and why? Yeah, great question. A great summary as well, by the way, with um, those steps, that's spot on. Um, one of the best I've seen and I've had demos and I've seen it in practice is a tool called Concured because what it's really doing is giving you almost like not replacing a digital marketing manager, but giving you that ability to do all the different things that a digital marketing person can do. So I said earlier about, you know, augmented intelligence. If you're a, a marketing manager or a digital marketing manager, you can now use tools like this and it can help you with your engagement. It can tell you what to write. It can kind of like fill the knowledge gaps that you might have and give you that return on investment as well. So, you know, that's really a, and, and you know, th that's a platform that I think a lot of people could benefit from. But, you know, there are lots more out there. But for me, content strategy, reputation management, being able to rest, you know, rest on something like that is really valuable. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, I haven't heard of that uh, solution, so I've got to definitely check that out. And I encourage you, the rest of, rest of you, to check it out. The show notes will have the link. And speaking of links and Katie's book, she's offering our listeners a 20% discount. Uh, just use code AI Marketing 20 
um, at her website, koganpage.com forward slash AI dash IN dash marketing. Might be a little long. It'll be in the show notes. Make sure you click on it. And uh, just a reminder, explore our chat bot on Facebook marketing. And that will be in the show notes as well. My final marketing quote of the day is from Jay Bear, friend, and uh, uh, I got to get him on the show as well. Content is fire. Social media is gasoline. Uh, he's been saying that for a long time. It's, uh, it's very true. Uh, and if you enjoy our podcast, please write a review for us in the Apple Podcasts and Google Play apps, stores, and your reviews certainly encourage us and help others choose our podcast. And I want to make a request that if you've got anybody that you feel should be a guest on the show based on the first 10 episodes, this is episode number 11, I believe, then um, let us know. I'm curious as to who you think we should talk to and, and who's an innovator or somebody that's using AI out there for marketers in the field that uh, you feel would be a welcome addition to the show. So again, Katie, thank you so much and uh, look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for having me on your show, Mark. It's been a pleasure.